Welcome to Rocketship, the home of epic React Native content. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Frank Calise, who is the senior software engineer at Infinite Red, but also a previous natural bodybuilder and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu blue belt. Probably not the most important part for today's discussion, but anyway, welcome, Frank. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. Um, I just looked up your uh, bio on LinkedIn, by the way, and I saw that 20 years ago, you already did visual basic programming. I thought you yeah. were like 35. Were you like 10 when you started getting into programming? <laughs> yeah, I'm 37. And uh, I got into it, I want to say late middle school, we call it here, early high school. And yeah, basic, visual basic. And just that's when I fell in love with programming. Uh, I think you, you had a long journey since then. So if you started with Visual Basic, what, what came afterwards? Um, maybe we can just make our way to uh, to your React Native skills from sure. Visual Basic. <laughs> yeah, um, from Visual Basic, I landed a job at a place where they were doing mainly web development. Um, but I sort of built applications to automate some of the like in-house processes that they had going on there to make their clients search results become better. Uh, from there, like everyone else in the world, went into some PHP learning. Oh yeah, good <laughs> and, old times. You know, I did that for years, which brought me to university because I knew I wanted to do something related to programming. So I started in computer science at Virginia Tech. After a semester there, I switched over to computer engineering. So you had the programming aspect, but also the electrical engineering portion, which I chose because I thought I wanted to go into more embedded systems. Mm -hmm. um, and so there we did C++, Java, assembly, very low level stuff. And from there landed really my first job at BAE Systems, which is a big defense company around the world. Mm -hmm. where I did C++ mainly. Um, that was more embedded work, uh, dealing with lots of hardware interfaces and making sure data got, to, you know, from one end of the surveillance plane that I worked on. Uh, they didn't really tell you too much what it was for. Yeah, but, I see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but two years on the same project, it kind of, led me to, you know, what else is out there? Because I was still young. I was 23 or so. And I wanted to, and that was around 2008 with the whole housing mm -hmm. crisis in, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I thought about my future and what, what, where else, what else could make me better? Um, so the same friend that I worked with in high school doing visual basic, he was the, he was the designer at this company, a very talented designer. And he was now in New York city working at a small design shop. And he's like, we have a need for some, some programming right now. We outsource it for our native applications, but would you like to come on board? So I thought, sure. Like, I know C++, how hard could Objective-C be, right? <laughs> and um, growing up, I'm not an Apple person. Like I had a, I think at the time it was an iPod Touch. I never owned an Apple computer. I had an Android phone. And so I was, took the job out of like desire to learn something new, which drives me. And 
got in there and I was like, okay, there's a lot of different brackets and things here. Um, How but, long did it take you until you hated Objective-C? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't long, but uh, it was very cool to dive into the native world and read, you know, Apple guidelines to come up with the proper UX that they wanted. At the time, it was super strict. You couldn't even mm -hmm. color the, the tab bar icons at that time. Oh, uh, yeah. They had to stay blue, uh, and you had to hack it. Otherwise, like you, you were searching Stack Overflow even back then to figure out how to how to do such a thing. And so that was cool. I, I built two apps, I'd say. It was a short stint. Like, it didn't really work out with the company. They weren't prepped to run a software business. They were a design shop. Um, and then from there, I took some time off. It was a bad winter, so I stayed in, went, just went to the gym, shoveled snow, <laughs> and decided, okay, I learned iOS development, Objective-C. I need to learn Android to do both. Uh, so I sat down, did some Java tutorials. Colin's not out yet and all of that. Yeah. And built a just a water tracking app because I was at the time very bad at remembering to drink my my water here. The water and, track, drinking app is like the the hello world of sport yeah, sports like developers. Not, not quite a to do app, right? Yeah, <laughs> but um, it was fitness related, which I was very into at the time, uh, and still am. But so that that kind of gave me a, a goal to set to to help learn. And, uh, yeah, then from there, I didn't really land or know if I wanted another mobile job. And I ended up working for someone close to my network that I really enjoyed working with, but it was a .NET shop. So now mm. I was diving back to my VB days in a oh. way, but didn't, didn't go to VB. We did C Sharp and ASP.NET applications and learned that whole different side of things. Um, which was interesting um, and, and, and powerful. And that led me back to mobile by getting into Xamarin, actually. Have you heard of Xamarin? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, Xamarin. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, is it still a thing in the .NET world? I don't know. I think they had a I'm new not thing sure. coming up. But wasn't it like Maui? Or... Yeah, <sighs> I think there is something new. I can't recall. Uh, I haven't checked into it lately. It's, but It's it like was around its own the, world. Yeah. It was around the time of... Cordova and PhoneGap and all of those becoming popular. But with my .NET experience, I was like, oh, this seems to fit well. And it, it was clunky. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, you could say React Native is clunky. Like, it all seems clunky when you're trying to fit all these things in. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was good to make a more trivial app, which at the time is, is what we had. And it was then where years later, uh, React Native and Early Expo came out. This was like 20... Probably 2020 say, or something. No, it was like more like, I want to say 15, 16, 17, something like that. But, oh, right. Expo was around that time. It was just yeah. like, yeah, this this exponent thing. Yeah, it was exponent. And, um, you know, the, the forbidden other E word we won't mention. And... Uh, I, I rebuilt our application using that as a POC to see like, oh, how much, how much better is this than, um, Xamarin? And 
we we were switching our front end applications to React because React was getting popular and ASP.NET was no longer interesting to learn for me. So I was like, oh, and what about Angular or React? I did both tutorials and decided I landed on React. And um, you took the blue pill. I took the blue pill, yeah. So yeah, that's how I dabbled with React Native and Expo. And then after that engagement ended down the road, um, I still loved working in React and wanted to get back to mobile and do React Native and found a few like startup positions doing that for the next several years. And that's, you know, right up until before Infinite Red. Yeah, that's so like... Your your story is so interesting because you've seen so many different technologies along the way that you, I mean, they were at an early stage. For example, if you checked out Xamarin eight years ago, it's probably different right now. But yeah. that also makes you appreciate what you now got with React Native probably even more because you've seen the dark side as well uh, <laughs> and what's possible out there. So I'm assuming it is like React Native from your perspective right now the best thing for native development? I mean, of course, Swift is pretty cool and just like completely native development, but in terms of cross-platform stuff, from what you've seen, is does React Native feel the best to you? It does feel the best to me. I'm probably biased because once I like something, I'm kind of sticking with it. Um, and I don't have too much Swift experience, actually, because I, when I started, it wasn't around. <laughs> and uh, so I never went back to it. I was already doing the cross-platform development at the time. But yeah, it, it, it is pretty cool. So yeah, I I'm, highly I'm recommend excited. it. You, you're going to love it. So yeah. I, still, I still think back to my days when I started my first job and I started with Objective-C as well. And then quickly Swift became a thing and we noticed that we should probably pick it up and it was so it was just so cool and I heard that Swift UI is actually also pretty nice to work with so you should definitely do a fun well, project with it yeah I'll have to like redo my water app in a decade <laughs> later <laughs> yeah uh, I'd love to talk more about the apps I think you built something for your wife as well uh, in terms of a fitness app we're going to get back to that but uh, for the moment let's talk about infinite red um sure. I had a note because years ago, so I was doing Angular a very long time, but I was always on a list and I think I was on an email list that was also called Infinite Red. Was Infinite Red initially just a newsletter and then became a company or like, do you know about the history of Infinite Red? Um, they were, so they were two companies at one point, ClearSight and Infinite Red. And the, so Jamin owned ClearSight as, as a consultancy and they used to do RubyMotion back in the Ruby days and, and Todd, the, the current CEO of Infinite Red, they, you know, they always, they work together and they were friends and they eventually merged their company. So that's how it got started. The newsletter, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was originally Expos maybe actually. <laughs> um, and we took it over. Uh, so React Native newsletter is probably what you're referring to. And yeah, yeah we, we run that and, you know, gather articles and content to ship out to the community. So yeah, I, that's, that's how that got started. 
Yeah, that's that's what kept me up to date in the past. And mm -hmm. today it's uh shout out to Sebastian from This Week in React. I can just highly recommend it every week. I'm looking forward to his newsletter. He's not paying me to say this. I, I generally like his stuff. Yeah. Um but you put it into the description of this podcast um, that Infinite Red is finally breaking into open source. And I'm interested in that because I know from the general React Native ecosystem, actually a lot of companies are doing open stores like CallStack and Software Mention. Of course, the nation of Poland is, is basically carrying the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so what's Infinite Red's? Uh, a role in the open source stuff. What are you doing? What are you working on? And um, also related to that, why are you actually doing this? Because I found this to be really interesting because you, you don't see this, that uh, companies, agencies do open source stuff a lot, which happens in the React Native system because you need to make money, right? So right. Uh, what's the role of open source at Infinite Red? Yeah, that's a good question. So open source at Infinite Red is you know, a primarily a way for us to advertise as well. Um, if we're helping the community achieve their goals and, and putting out good projects that are helpful to other developers, when those developers at a different company maybe get stuck or, you know, or, or just don't have enough team members to complete their project or need advice, they'll, you know, hopefully think about, oh, well, You know, I use Reactachon every day for debugging. Um, let me see if Infinite Red can help out. Or, hey, we started this app because, you know, a lot, a lot of companies are transitioning to React Native to, you know, speed up velocity and all the great benefits. But if they're newer to the technology, how do I start an app? Well, maybe they leaned on Ignite initially and spun up their application. Well, okay, now we're at a point where we need to know about this or how, how do we make this decision next? And, oh, who, you know, we use Ignite from Infinite Red. Maybe we can contact them. So that's how it kind of plays into why we really do it. In addition to it's a way for us to the team members to continuously level up and be involved in what is going on. Because I think you know yourself, if if you just like, start building an application and eight months goes by and you like come up to the surface, you're like, Oh, I'm glad I got that done. Like the whole ecosystem could have changed <laughs> and yeah. new features or, or things are deprecated. Um, and, and that never feels great as a software engineer, right? We're trying to pre prevent that. So this, this is one way that we stay up to date and current with many, many of the things going on. Um, I, I haven't checked out your portfolio. Um, are like, do you have any really popular apps that you've built at Infinite Red? Not because, I mean, Infinite Red is definitely a great company, but I just love to know uh, about some exciting projects being built with React Native. Uh, yeah, the ones I can talk about is usually a <laughs> fun question, but I definitely one large one is Gas Buddy. I don't know if you've heard of this one, but it's one that helps you find the lowest gas prices. If you're driving around, you can report, you know, uh, certain prices that you run into. Other members comment on it and, and can look for that. But I, I would say it has millions of active users, which is the largest. And so, yeah, a few of my team members did great work on there. We've had... 
Oh my, this has, I'm just looked this up in the App Store. So this is Guest Buddy Find and Pay for Gas, number uh, 66 in travel, 4.7 stars and 445,000 ratings. Is something wrong with my store here or is this? <laughs> it's, it's a heavily used app. It's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. Yeah, just the other day, my, my wife was thinking about getting, um, uh, what's it called? The, the thing to cook easily at home. I don't know. They have an application called Cookie Do as well. Uh -huh. Uh, and I, I looked it up and it also had like 400,000 stars. And I was like, what's going on? Am I in the yeah. wrong store here? Usually <laughs> when I look up episode, maybe like a few hundred or yeah. four or 5,000 if it's Clash of Clans or something. But <laughs> well, these apps, right. I mean, yeah. So that once again proves uh, React Native is a great choice for projects. Is this uh, or was this a Greenfield application or a Brownfield? Did they initially already have an application? I mean, um, if you can talk about it, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying. I didn't actually work on it, so I'm trying to recall. I I believe it it started native and mm -hmm. and they converted over. Um, I think Macari was another application for that, where yeah they considered the Brownfield route, and I think getting into it, you know, they realize it's, it's difficult to continuously do this. So they, they then make the jump to Greenfield. Um, it, is this like for most of the projects? Um, so what's like the percentage of Greenfield projects and Brownfield projects you do at Infinite Red? So before I got to Infinite Red, cause I've been there for like a year and a half or something, a few years prior i'll say where they weren't as well known they did more um projects with startups and smaller companies and those were all mainly greenfield because you know you had on a startup team you might have two developers and you just need to go and hit hit a deadline and, and get your app out whereas now some of these larger companies we're dealing with they already have applications for you know <laughs> you look at the year now i mean 10, 15 years, there's a lot of code that exists on both native sides, Android, iOS, um, that maybe you just can't part with, or, you know, it would take forever to rewrite and what management team is going to sign up for such a thing. So we are starting to see more of the, the brownfield requests when it comes to things like that. Interesting. Yeah. That will be interesting to see in the future. I heard that that Brownfield app, so for those who don't know, Greenfield basically means starting a new React Native application completely uh, without any prior tech stay and just bootstrapping it using Expo or Ignite. And Brownfield means they already have an Android or iOS app and you're trying to uh, sneak in React Native views into that application and, and make that work. Um, you said that, um, or you dropped the name Ignite. So I got to be honest, I personally haven't used Ignite yet. I know a lot about Expo and the things related to Expo and the tooling and uh, the different command lines we can use to start Expo project, but I haven't used Ignite. So can you describe what Ignite is and, and what it actually does and, and how it helps? Absolutely. So Ignite is Infinite Red's battle-tested boilerplate React Native application. So we've been doing React Native for years. And what Ignite represents is how we would build an application. And that changes over time. So right now, Ignite 9, the release of Ignite 9 was like primarily focused on Expo because we are using 
expo when we can on our projects today. But several years ago, you know, it was a bare React Native application. And then the what you can add on top of that to think of Ignite as a whole package is like the patterns that we've come across during our projects that have worked for us and worked on projects that go back into Ignite. So nothing makes it into Ignite without having us like vetted it out on a project in, in the real world, which makes it different from just a boilerplate that, you know, hey, it'd be cool if I put all these things together because mm -hmm. they're the most common or popular. Um, it's what works for us and how we like to build applications. So it's much more opinionated and a little less flexible than maybe people want. You'll see like on the issue boards or discussion boards, it's always like, well, you know, could we switch MobX state tree for this or this library for that? And like, yes, you can. It is just a React Native application. But as far as us changing Ignite and, and its core, we're not going to just do that unless it actually works for us on our client projects. So yeah, that's what it represents. So it's like the, the best practices you um, gathered through the years on, of seeing mm -hmm. them actually work. Yeah. And like you said, like in addition to do, uh, us doing open source, like we have to work on client projects and make money, right? So this helps yeah. us do that. So when we get a new client and we're spun up with our, you know, our bear app and start building the first screen like immediately, and it's very helpful. Yeah, I just went through the tech stack. I'm going to put this in the show notes, of course, as well to Ignite and GitHub. Um, React Native, React TypeScript, of course. Then we have React Navigation. Uh, interesting. Might change for Expo Router in the future. Your thoughts? Yeah, it may. Uh, we have not used Expo Router yet on a client project, but there's definitely interest um, with some of our clients. So it's something that we need to explore. But yeah, it's definitely exciting. Yeah, I mean it, it's reasonable if you have this 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 template here and you need to make money, you won't suddenly say, "Hey, let's try out Expo Router today." Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I mean, uh, there's not a big difference in, in that case. So then we have MobX uh, state management. Okay, I personally saw Jamin talk about MobX. I probably need to talk with him directly on the pod about this. I haven't used MobX. Um, how does it compare to something as like? What's the current hype? It's usually Zustand or Yotai, which are pretty lightweight as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it just makes sense for us. Like it works very well. It's it's not flashy, I guess you could say, which is why people don't gravitate towards it. But it, yeah, it works like that. Legend State's another one. Um, it it just makes sense to us the whole observer pattern and and how it sets up our state management. And we've leaned on it for years. We, When I first joined, there was a big discussion on our team retreat of should we move away from it because all these other ones were coming out. And, you know, we weigh these options every so often with the team. And we ask, you know, what are you using on your client projects? Because some clients won't want to use it. Maybe they, if their project's already started or they just, they they hired people who understand Redux toolkit better, you know, so they want to use that and we have to adapt to that. Um, but, but for us, we just like where Mobex state tree is. And um, so that's why that's in there. However, mm -hmm. um, in an effort to, you know, please the community more and be more flexible, we are considering that in the night 10 or nine point, whatever, 
we are going to lift mob xhe as like a default and probably just put it like in the demo application put in some you know bare state management maybe even just react context so that you don't have to like worry about what you're pulling out and if if you're unfamiliar with it and just add in the state management of, of choice mm, okay yeah that's going to be interesting yeah. So after that, of course, all the good Expo stuff, Expo fund, localization stages, bar reanimated, a clear choice. Next one, I would be curious about async storage. I guess you're using it because it always was always used and works. Um, probably something like MMKV could be an improvement over that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have this thing in Ignite where we don't use Expo Go on our client project, right? But we love the idea of spinning up a quick application and diving into something for several reasons. One, if you're just building something like on the side as a hobby app, like it gets you going. Presentations, like a lot of my team, Jamin, Gantt, uh, Mark Rickard spoke at Chainreact. If, if they need a demo application for a presentation or a talk, it's very easy to spin something up like that. Um, you know, we... Many of our projects are not using async storage because after we ignite the project, we're swapping in MMKV, for example. But you ha you run this risk of is it Expo Go compatible anymore? And mm -hmm. you know that's kind of the the line we toy around because we want it to be a quick start option for even beginners, even though it is an, more of an experienced stack. But we we want it to be usable by anyone very quickly. So that's why that's there. But because of requests like those, like you mentioned, we also developed the Ignite Cookbook, which is a documentation site that you can go to. And it's basically, okay, I've spun up my Ignite app and now I want this, such as MMKV. There's a, we call them recipes because it's a cookbook. There's a recipe for that. And I think, I might have even wrote that one, but it basically walks <laughs> you through, hey, after you've spun up your Ignite app, here's how you implement using MMKV. So it kind of gives you these add-ons. Um, they're not automatic, but it, we are documenting ways to, for um, highly requested either libraries or how-tos, we are, we are documenting them there. I see. So it makes totally sense. And I'm, I, I mean, I also really like the Expo Go application. And I was kind of confused that a few weeks ago or days ago or weeks when the recording comes out that I think somebody from software mentioned said you, you shouldn't use Expo Go anymore. Basically, they were referring to just use XP, Expo Prebuild and then CNG because, I mean, of course, that is easy, but I totally see your case. And I also really like the Expo Go app because it's just that fast. Um, one thing I noticed about your list, you, the last element here is flesh list. I think flesh list isn't included with Expo Go, or is it? It is actually, yeah. It is. Yeah. Ah, nice. And Reactotron also works out of the box and uh, with the Expo Go app. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So your Reactotron um, is actually just a standalone application debugger tool. And the the dependencies are just pure JS, so it, it'll work anywhere. It even works in a React JS web um, application as well. 
Yeah, I still need to dive a bit deeper into the whole debugging aspect. And I know Expo is working on a lot of debugging tools and I use yep. a lot of the browser debugging. Um, what are like the the main advantages of using Reactortron at this point? Is there anything that's, that stands out? So yeah, all the new debugging tools coming through React Native are, are great, but there are still going to be those, what they call user land uh, plugins that they probably won't get into. So, you know, th those in the audience who are familiar with using Flipper, for example, and you have your, say, Apollo client plugin where you can look through the queries and, and the cache, um, although it's kind of aggravating to do so <laughs> because it's, it's, it's a little clunky. Um, those types of plugins may or may not come along for the ride, like down the road. And so what Reactatron does, and as well as the Expo development tools, adds on some of those, you know, extra features that will be helpful in debugging. And so um, Reactatron, you know, basically has a timeline where it, it brings in your console logs, it brings in your Reactatron logs, which is just a special call and you can format things important or have different preview messages, but then like, you know, expand the body of that and log out a whole JSON object very neatly um, you can search and filter very easily. You can wire it up to your state management library like Redux or Mobx State mm. Tree and then inspect what's going on in, in your current stores in your state, which is very helpful. You can add custom commands to fire on the actual client and you know bring up the dev menus, reset the store, um, give it a, a specific navigation command, for example, like all useful things that... You might hack together in some way, shape, or form, but it's it's meant to help shortcut all of that. Oh, I see. Yeah, I definitely need to dive a bit deeper into the debugging tools and, and what Expo is doing. Just to wrap it up, you also have Date FNS, great choice, of course, um, some testing stuff, and then we have API source for the REST client. I'm curious about this because I actually haven't used that. I don't know about what it is. I usually see everyone in the React world recommending 10-stack query or React query. I think by now it's 10-stack query. Mm -hmm. So is this the, the replacement for 10-stack query that you're using to um, manage API state and make calls? Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a replacement. It's an option. It's It's... It's made by Infinite Red. I think it's older at this point. It's a wrapper around Axios. So, you know, mm. if, it's just a way of doing that and kind of making a little bit better of an API that we had used in the past. But yeah, we'll, we'll get on a client project and they may want to use Tansec query. Um, even in Chain React, our conference that we host in July, we built an application for that conference and we brought in Tansec query to to you know, become familiar with that. And um, that's open source as well. You can check that out. But yeah, that that's another item in addition to like MobX where that's that comes up in meetings. Like, is anyone still using this? Do we need to change from it? You know, what, what are people using these days? Um, but yeah, it, it kind of depends what the backend is also, right? Because we're not just going to include Apollo client because if yeah. you never use GraphQL, then so... It's it's just there. It's simple, so it doesn't get in the way too much. That, that's a good point, yeah. And um, if I now run the command, so I just gave this a try, npx ignite-cli new, and then the name of my application, 
I get all these things that we just talked about in my application, right? There's no, do you want to have X or Y? There's no no selection in uh, between the different tools. Is this something you would consider for the future or should Ignite always say this, here, this is our package, use this? I think most of it's going to always stay like that because it, again, represents how we would start a project. So that's important for us. Um, you know, you have things like create expo stack, a different CLI tool where it's more flexible, where it's like, oh, would you like to use, you know, a navigation library, which one do you want to use? And, it, and mm -hmm. it's, it's built for both. And, you know, there's definitely a time and a place for that. And that's great, especially when you're writing tutorials or, um, course, uh, coursework such as you do, like that's helpful to just constantly use the same thing, but but change some things under underneath and get spun up quickly. Um, yeah, that's, it's it's, pro it's probably for the like power users. That's what. Uh, yeah, said. yeah. It's also like you know that also becomes difficult to maintain, um, oh, yeah. which you know we are busy with client work and maintenance is a part of like you don't want to go to a particular repo or library and see that you know, it's six, eight months, one year, two years old, it, it's discouraging, or you may not know if it'll work with the latest and greatest like React Native. So that's that's part of where even Ignite 8 to 9, where we, we dove into Expo further on Ignite, that's also from a maintenance perspective as well, because now upgrades and all that get much simpler. Yeah, it's funny how I talked to... People from STRV, CodeMask, uh, Software Mention, CallStack, Infinite Red, everyone's recommending Expo. And then you still get people on YouTube and, and Twitter saying, oh, no, Expo sucks. I'm like, it's, yeah. I can't tell you any more than every great agency or company in this world is at this point basically recommending Expo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's been posts on Hacker News and Reddit and all that where, you know, we actually have a partner channel with Expo and they'll ping us like, mm. hey, could you guys like put your great opinion of Expo out on, on this, you know, medium and, and help fight the good fight for them? Because, yeah, it's unfortunate that even... I, I don't know where people are finding it, but news from 2018 or whatever... Um, is discouraging people from even trying it. And, you know, you need to keep an open mind. And you think how quickly this ecosystem changes, how much React Native has changed in, in one year. It's been pretty incredible. So to go off information from three, four, five, six, seven years ago, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I learned this actually hard way about, about React. So when I learned React again, which was like, Last year or two years ago, I went to the official tutorial, but that was using like classes and stuff. And I, I always heard people talking about these hooks and stuff. And I, I, I thought, okay, this is the official documentation. Let's go through it. And after it, I, I talked to my friend. He said like, why are you doing this? Nobody's doing this anymore. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, React. Thanks for the great documentation. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, there's a new documentation at this point. Yeah. Um, I got two questions, two more questions about Ignite, because um, this is really cool. First thing is, did you actually say, I Ignite my project? Is this what you internally say? You're not calling an NPX command, you Ignite a project? Yeah, we Ignite a project, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's like That's so cool. init, but Ignite, you know. 
yeah, you should you should put this somewhere on GitHub, like yeah. ignite your next project. Ignite a it's project, really... fire up a new project, anything re- yeah. regarding flames or ignition. Yeah, yeah, marketing. And then, <laughs> um, second question is about generators. I just found this here on the page, but mm. I can't read and listen closely to you, so I just see the hidden gem of ignite. So. What are generators? What what can I do with generators once I have uh, ignited my project? Yeah, so what generators allow you to do is, you know, as you're building out your application, your your component library, your screens, your models and stores for your state management, you there's a certain set of like export fun. You know, some people have Visual Code um, snippets, right? To mm-hmm. to spin up the boilerplate that they're, they're used to. What generators do is it gets a little bit more project specific. So for example, you can say generate component and then my component name. What it, it could be the base function for your component, but also include like some imports, some type declarations that you want. And it, it uses EJS temp- templates to fill in some of the holes that you would be like typing manually and you know you'd copy and paste from the previous one and then you miss you miss renaming a term and all that um as well as it can patch and replace things in other files so you know when you add a new screen for example if you want it in your say stack navigator you have to go put it over there, you have to define it in the app stack param list and all those things. And the generator will take care of that for you. So mm-hmm. it you can just dive into the new screen source file and get to writing. And then, you know, you refresh the app and, and it's there. This is really handy. And I think this is the one thing I've been missing when I moved from Angular to React, because in Angular, you have the Angular CLI and you can always do like ng new whatever, directive, component, service. And it just integrates a new file in the right place in your project because Angular projects actually have a project structure uh, compared to <laughs> React, which looks That's different. Nice. Every- <laughs> must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the Angular CLI has been great. And once I moved to React, there was like nothing. I was like, I need to right-click new file and fill in stuff? Really? Mm. So this is taking care of the problem. It's uh, It looks like it can even do more. It can do components, screens, models, um, but also app icon generation and the splash screen generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Um, yeah, that, this, yeah. This, I'd be stuff like this just speeds on... up. Yeah, it speeds oh, yeah. it up. Yeah, and with your Angular experience, like I would be curious to get your take on like you playing with that and, and seeing like where it falls short or if you had any ideas on how to make it better because... Um, you know, that is one of the, as I say, hidden gems because you have to go run more CLI commands and usually people stop at a new project, but um, it's very useful along the way. Yeah. Um, you just challenged me to create a video about the uh, <laughs> Ignite and uh, the generators. Okay, here we go. We're going to do this in the future. Edit this to my list. This is going to be fun because, yeah. Um, I think this could be really, really great. I'm, to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of having like this boilerplate, but this is the problem of me being a creator and just, I yeah, basically yeah. want to start with a blank folder and then say, okay, let's get started with this file. But for the use case of companies that need to build actually real applications and earn money from that, uh, it makes totally sense. So mm-hmm. 
I will I will check this out and dive into this, and eventually uh, Ignite is getting some some free uh, marketing. <laughs> you could also um, use the generators in a non-Ignite project too. It just needs the proper like folder and templates that you would add to your you know your repository, um, and it would work just the same. So like if you if you didn't want like the opinionated stack. You, you would just you could just pull from the boilerplate like the ignite slash templates directory and get get it working that way and maybe we need to add some flexibility there for other projects but that would probably be very useful actually now that you say it what about a nice visual studio code extension where i can get these templates from that'd be interesting too yeah <laughs> So, so next time you're not working on a project for a month, <laughs> uh, go for a little, little, go for the Ignite Visual Studio Code extension. That would be yeah, great there as go. well. Nice. Um, so you've been leading the Ignite 9 project, as far as I know, uh, which is the current version, 9.4, actually, two days ago. What are the plans for the next time? Um, maybe what's coming, like, are there any big plans for upgrading 9 or do you already plan version 10 and and when will we see version 10 of ignite so i think the roadmap for the rest of 9 will be to continue with you know expo and rn upgrades so 50s you know around the corner um so like we'll we'll do those kinds of upgrades um we see 10 i believe as and and it's a rough sketch at this point but trying to align with the React Native 1.0 release, right? When we, when Meta and the community says, hey, everyone's good to go on the new architecture, like that's their hope, right? And that's, that's where this is all leading and it's stable and comfortable with it. I think we want to align with that, but it also depends on, you know, between now and then, like how, how that looks. Like it's not three months from now probably, but is it more than a year from now? We're not really sure. Um, and part of the last or one of the previous features in Ignite 9 was to add a CLI option for enabling the new architecture. So if you're not using Expo Go, you can um, flag that on. And it, it just uses Expo's flags under the hood, but it's very easy to do. So you could start to understand if some of your libraries are giving you problems that maybe you need to go like open an issue for or you know help contribute back to the open source community and make them compatible um because you know although it's it's been talked about for years it's nobody's really been saying like oh my app's using all new architecture and out there in the store right so it's something that we need to get to as a community and we're hoping that adding that flag in there kind of encourages like, oh, let me just dabble with it real quick and, and see where it's going. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I'm curious, uh, are there plans for a React Native version one? I actually haven't been like following closely the news from Meta. Uh, did they say something about uh, yeah the new architecture and then going for version one? I don't know how detailed they've they've said it, but like, yeah, in some of the more like, core release meetings and things, like it's 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 on their minds um i've gone to some um i forget what they call it but yeah basically meet up with the core team and and such and that's where they want to get to want like they want one to be about you know new architecture will be ready and things will be and and stability is like the important part um 
And so until then, they will they will stick to the you know minor versions for now. I, I kind of lost hope that there will ever be a version one of React Native. I mean, they've been working on it for what now, like eight years or so. So I thought this is like their scheme. They will just continue doing it like yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they get to, I don't know, 0 0.101, we know we'll be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's going to be big news for sure. After like, yeah. it will be probably nine years at that point. Uh, and then suddenly hitting version one, uh, that might bring in a lot of new developers to React Native at that point again, which will then say, oh, it's finally ready. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And um, that means we will also not see any major release of Ignite, most likely until then. Yeah, maybe not. Um, again, it, that could change, but... Yeah, we'll probably just iterate on nine a, a lot, and then uh, try to align ten with with that. That's great. All right, um, we talked long about um, ignite, and we're coming to the end. But before we wrap up, I would love to know you have built a workout app for your wife, as far as I know. So of course, I did my background check. I saw all your natural bodybuilding pictures, which I'm not jealous of, but. You're doing great. Just just saying you're doing great. Thank uh, you. By the way, just the last weekend, uh, my wife and I decided to go without meat for the next time. Okay. And probably also going vegan in the future at some point because I just think it's better for the planet at some point. And mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be interesting because we watched a documentary on, on like vegan bodybuilders Game and stuff. Game changers. And, uh, yeah, right. Game changers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting how people are still super powerful and can do incredible things without eating meat. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're if you're eating meat or not. Uh, I do, but um, after watching that, uh, my wife wanted to try the same thing for a month, <laughs> and so we did without. And then she mostly sticks to that as well still. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can make anything work. So exactly, but uh, it's not about food here. It's about the app. So the app. Uh, is called, let me look it up, Balance uh, Workout app. And I'm curious, did you create that app for your wife? And what's the technology stack behind that app? Yeah, so my wife is an exercise physiologist and um, she she used to, you know, either run a gym or be a trainer and, and things like that. But then when COVID happened, it kind of put her out of work for a bit. So we had this idea of, well, she had this big following. People love going to her workout classes. Um, so, you know, the idea was, well, what if we hosted something on the internet where, you know, they could subscribe and then you generate the five workouts a week for them. They can do them at their home. And so we initially built just a React JS website that kind of did that with Stripe and the whole bit. And it, it worked well, like people were using it, people, or you only need like a small pair of dumbbells. It's, you know, and it was great. Then as you know, she had more and more ideas of like how to iterate on that. And, and then adding a timer in because setting up a timer manually, people didn't, you know, maybe necessarily understand like uh, high intensity rounds or like certain countdowns and things of that nature. Like they, they just want it like working out is hard enough for most people. Right. So they just want it done for them. And so that's when we decided like, okay, well, if we build an application, 
you know, people can put on their Spotify or whatever playlist and then switch back to the app. You get the, the timer, like the, it, that comes with the workouts. Like it's already set up for you. It knows how many rounds you're supposed to do all of that. And so, yeah, naturally I started with Edging Night app for that. <laughs> um, you know, I used the CNG route of Expo and bring in all sorts of different libraries if I need. And yeah, it's on both platforms and both stores. We have in-app payments via React Native purchases and Revenue Cat, if you've heard mm -hmm. of them. Um, yeah. Definitely great, great library and a great service. Like, it's still hard to do purchases, in-app purchases. I couldn't mm -hmm. imagine doing it like rolling your own because th those dashboards in in the app stores and, and things are so incredibly complex and and clunky so uh great job to them over at revenue cat it's it's horrible to set this up i did a few tutorials and usually i hate doing these because you just need to mess up a little key here or there on, on yeah. apple or or google and just nothing works and you, you don't get any error reporting it's yeah, you have to submit each item for review, but like they don't have to be approved, but you need to do that for it to show up in the app and all this. I, um, I always thought this is like a chicken and egg problem. I want the purchases to be in the app, but the app has to be released before the purchase can be... <laughs> yeah. What? what? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, and it's also a good test bed for like, what can Ignite do for me? Like, you know, okay, here's, this was the bear Ignite and then adding things on top of it. Like, do they work? Do I need to go back and fix Ignite upstream? Like this is helpful for me too. And, an infinite red, um, I, you know, I play with the EAS submit. It, it's great. Like I try to never go to those dashboards unless I have to accept the license agreement, um, <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, it's a good test bed for me and keep learning and then also helps provide to her clients, um, what they're looking for. Do you also use uh, over-the-air updates through Expo or have yep. you never had? Yeah. Use over-the-air updates. I've been using over-the-air updates since 2020, 2019. They're incredible. Um, in fact, when I first really dove into React Native um, as my primary role, I think it was 2020, we, you know, and we'll go back to your Expo Go tweet that you saw, like, don't ever use it. At, at various startups, we shipped Expo Go, like, if your app is simple enough where you don't need some crazy library, you can do it, right? And we did that. And we submitted to the app store like only when we had an Expo SDK upgrade. Everything else was over the air all the time and it and it worked great. And we even had it where on our PRs, you know, a new feature is being developed, it would create a new release channel and over the air the update to that channel put a QR code on the PR. And then, you know, my CEO who wasn't coding, like I worked for a healthcare app at the time. And so he was a doctor, like he could just scan it with his expo, go up and test out the new feature and be like, Oh yeah, this is the way it's supposed to work. You know, um, yeah. it's powerful. It's incredible. Yeah. I completely agree. I just looked at the app. It looks also pretty cool. I think I can't download it here in Germany. Uh, but did you work on that app in your free time or was it uh, an Infinite Red project you worked on? Uh, it's not an Infinite Red project. Yeah, it's my free time. Um, so, yeah, I just leverage my Infinite Red knowledge, if you will. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you also, as you said, you, you learned more about Ignite and you could fix stuff upstream. So I think it's always valuable for an employee or employer to have the 
the employees work with the technology in their free time as well. So I think it's beneficial for both sides. And final question about it. How long do you think took it? Because you used Ignite and you had a lot of the things right out of the gate. So how long hmm. was the development? I mean, it was, of course, next to your job. So you probably had like two hours every day or something. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't really know off the top of my head. But I, I'd say, I guess from like first spinning it up to deploying in the app store yeah maybe like i don't know a couple months but that's like you know yeah like you said an hour here two hours there um not very long and then and this was all before the whole android 20 user thing so we got in at a good time um but yeah oh, and yeah. then since then we've iterated on it a whole bunch and whether it's over the air or, or store pushes and now it's pretty easy going through it no problem i mean it also feels great to work on something like this in your free time like you you do that stuff at work but then you can also help your wife uh, and set up this this pretty cool app and mm -hmm. i love fun projects like this i mean this is actually also bringing in money for your wife uh, as it's her business so yeah great great work on the web uh, on the app and everyone check it out also the balance workout app uh, looks pretty cool so We're coming to the end. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Frank. We had a lot thank of you. fun uh, with Ignite. I will certainly dive more into Ignite because I kind of ignored it so far. <laughs> But I think there's actually more to it than uh, to all the other, oh, here is my boilerplate startup something code. I think Ignite is actually uh, a lot more than that. And you will probably hear or see more about it on my YouTube channel in the future. And probably you will also hear more people from Infrared Red here on the podcast in the future, uh, thinking of Jamin and Robin, who I'd really love to talk about. So finally, where can people find out more about you and the things you do? Yeah, uh, Twitter, X, Frank Calise, just all one word. Same on GitHub, Frank Calise. And you can hop on our community Slack, community.infinite.red. Uh, I hang out there. Uh, the Expo Discord, the React Native Contributor Discord, I'm all over the place. So, yeah, feel free to reach out, ask any questions, Ignite-related, just general. It's all great. Awesome. Thank you. Although I really hate Discord and still can't manage my way around. It is, <laughs> it's, it it's... is tough. I have everything <laughs> muted. <laughs> yeah, right. But you can get support on those channels. So mm -hmm. thanks for joining me, everyone. Check out Ignite. Uh, links in the show notes. And I will catch you in the next episode. So have a great time. And thanks for joining me, Frank. Thank you.